It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. After a slow start in the season opener against Vancouver, the Flyers show some fight against Seattle, and they win 6-1. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is the Eric Lindros episode of Orange and Back Check, episode 88. And honestly, a guy sitting across from me who definitely has a real COVID-19 vaccine card. The man card is a little bit in question, though, but it's Scott Weinhardt. Scott, it's the Eric Lindros podcast. What's your what is your top memory of Eric Lindros? Let's just get that out there right now. I need to know. Considering that I have power tonight, we tried to do this the other night. I lost power right at the beginning (laughs) of the episode, so we couldn't do this. So, you know, I'm uh, glad that we, I, I, you know what, honestly, the power outage was kind of a blessing in disguise because, like, it's nice that they they were back. They, they played some good hockey in the first period. We'll get into it. But then if you watch the next 40 minutes, not, or not 40, 30, 30 minutes, it was ugly until the yeah. final 10 of the, that third period when they, they mounted a comeback to just lose in a shootout. But yeah. Uh, so good thing your power went out. I, I, yeah. I, I think it's fine. Uh, you know what? And I was in the middle when it went out, I was in the middle of my Eric Lindros memory too. We, we were started out. I, I, I will say this May 23rd, 1997 was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I was just like really starting to get become like a real hockey fan. Flyers were on the run. They're in the Eastern Conference final against the New York Rangers in the garden. 2-2, less than 10 seconds to go. And with seven seconds remaining, John LeClaire with a ridiculous backhand pass across the crease. Mike Richter goes diving. Eric Glenn draws backhand in a wide open net. And they win the game with seven seconds left. Take a strangle three, stranglehold three, one lead in the series. And um it is, that's my favorite Lindros memory out of all of them. Um, most people will probably not remember this one, but the hit on Andreas Dockel, not for a reason that he hit, but just a man caused that. Like he broke Andreas Dackel's face, like by yeah. hitting him. Like that's how strong he was. Like that goal, that hit, those are the two Lindros memories I'll remember the most. And unfortunately, in this city, Everybody's lasting memory of Eric Lindros will be off the shoulder of Scott Stevens laying on the ice you know, in the fetal position. And I, I, unfortunately, that's what, how it went down. Unfortunately, see, I, that's that's the lasting image. I agree with you and I disagree with you because you're right. Like, that's obviously the biggest memory of his playing career. Um, I think that the redemption in the uh, what was it? 2012 or 2011 the winter classic winter the, classic the, the, yeah, when he they, returned for the alumni. I was there. Game. I was, there, were, there. I I was there with Mike. Yeah, with our buddy Dave. Mike. Like, I think that was just one of the coolest moments because it felt like, 
I mean, he had returned in a time. I mean, I think he's with the organization in an official capacity. He does stump some stuff. I can't remember if like he's officially with the team. Deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when when he came out in to at the citizens at Citizens Bank Park, it just felt like it, it's similar to when Mike Schmidt gave his Hall of Fame speech. Can we bury the hatchet? Yeah, and there was it was it was kind of just like it's over. You're here. We're so happy. And it's it's an alumni weekend or it's the winter classic weekend. It's alumni game. Bernie Perron's playing. John LeClaire's playing. It just felt like everything was right in yeah. Flyers world. That's a memory that sticks out to me. Obviously, as I said before on this pod, I'm an I'm a younger guy. I, I didn't really get into hockey. I'm a post lockout hockey guy. So those are I mean, obviously, I remember the Scott Stevens hit um, the trade to the Rangers in 2001. And it's just one of those things where. I, I'm for who? Sh- who was he traded for? Let me ask you that. Oh, I don't. I couldn't remember. I could. I could still tell you the details. Of the I trade. didn't even realize, and this is how. Like, and I, I didn't realize until later, not recently, but when I was really getting that. I obviously knew that the Lindros trade had happened with, uh, with the Nordiques, but uh, I didn't know it was the season after the draft. The draft had happened, and then I always thought it was a draft day trade. But obviously, I'm wrong on that. So, uh, just one of those things where once I once I dove into hockey, Eric Lindros, obviously, you learned of the lore of him, and that's that. That's where uh, it was cool to see him on alumni uh, alumni night uh, in the Winter Classic in, against the Rangers. I think what always eats at me, though, what they gave up for Eric Lindros. I mean, yeah. granted, at the time he was he was there was nobody like him. He's six foot four, built like a tank, and he could score. Like you couldn't find centers like that anywhere. Like Lemieux yeah. wasn't built like that. Gretzky wasn't built like that. He, he was a tank. Like, but you gave up Peter Forsberg for me. You gave up Mike Ricci. You gave up Steve Duchesne. You gave up Ron Hextall. You gave up fifteen million. I think another fifteen million in cash. Like, it's honestly you, you one gave of up the, a lot, and then that built the Colorado Avalanche for years yeah. after that. It's honestly one of those things where we talk about what if uh, 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 Pronger never got hurt. What yeah. if yeah. Lindros what was if never, never traded, traded for? Lindros. Yeah, yeah. Like, what if you never traded for Lindros? Like, the, the the players you gave up were no spring chickens. Like, they yeah. were they were just as if not uh, just at right at that competitiveness, if not better than Lindros at their peak. And it's just one of those things where what could have been. Obviously, Hextall yeah. uh, and Forsberg and all that, but today it's it's one yeah. it's one of those deals where like russ farwell made that deal that was before bobby clark's time yeah and then bobby yeah. clark 10 not even 10 years later flipped them for jan lovich who traded for bread uh for donna brashear uh pavel brendel and kim jansen so uh, those are the big names kim jansen and and brashear were big parts of the team for a long time and brendel just kind of fell off the map as a as a, as a draft pick bust he was yeah. picked right behind the Sedin twins actually so oh, yeah. well, that's from my memory so um yeah i it, listen i i it, just to cap off the eric lindros stuff i will always remember eric lindros for what he did to the city and bringing a premier player something this team has not had in a long time they they haven't had a superstar like with yeah. the lore of lindros since that era, I mean, Claude I mean, Drew, with all respect, is I was going to say, like, Giroux got he's close. Lindros. Giroux got close when Laviolette said he's one of the top players in the league, especially yeah. after that series against Pittsburgh. And Laviolette had all that praise for him, but it never felt like he officially lived up to that hype. And I think, it, and I don't think anyone has won. No, no one's won the Hart Trophy since Lindros did in '94. 
Nine, I want to say 95. 95. So, I mean, yeah, that, that is, that's yeah. it right there. There's The Flyers haven't produced a, a superstar MVP caliber yeah. player since then. Obviously, Giroux came in third or fourth during his 100-point season. But, I mean, you're going against Connor McDavid now, and that's yeah, just kind of unfair. Like Connor McDavid. No way. No uh, way. Speaking of Claude Giroux, I mean, he's one of the guys that you're, sticking, you're seeing right away of these first two games. I mean, he obviously like, – I'm still trying to process that sharp angle goal. I didn't realize that it was a uh, deflection. Like it, it was off the board. Which game are we talking about here? Vancouver, Vancouver. In the okay, first so game, talk about Vancouver. Okay. The tying goal against went Vancouver. Went off Demko's head. Yeah. That's a great play, actually. There's it's a lot one of, of the most absurd things I've seen. I'm trying. I, I, it's, it's, it's happened the, before. Drew has done it. Yeah. Drew did it to like, Jordan Bennington a couple years ago. Yeah, I just it's one of those things where when Giroux is hangs it up, whether it's at the end of this season because he's in a contract or if he, if he does manage to get a contract with us and he finishes out his career here. I mean, he was he is so underappreciated for those sharp angle goals. He positions himself perfectly, yeah. unlike any other that I can think of on the Flyers roster. And it's just it's really exciting to see because he's clearly motivated for a contract year. It's it, you see it time and time again for just about every good player like at Claude Giroux's caliber or higher. And I mean, he's, he has, I think three points on the year. Joel Farabee leads the team with four. I mean, this is, I, this is going to be an interesting conundrum that Chuck Fletcher is going to have at the end of this season, I think, because Claude Giroux is playing with some fire here that we haven't seen probably since that hundred point season. Well, let's take a break because it's only two games in. All right, let's just let's just pump the brakes a little bit. They went up against the Vancouver team that was it's it's kind of re, not rebuilding, but they're kind of figuring themselves out with the acquisitions they made in the off season. So yeah, they're, they're similar to the Flyers in a way. I don't. They're a, a little bit worse. They're worse. They have a more I think. star power. They have yeah. Elias Patterson. They've got Quinn Hughes. They've got um, you know all um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson. Watch how he's on the decline. They've got a stud goaltender, a six foot five goaltender, and, and Thatcher Demko. And you talk about that bank shot. That's actually something that, that is going to be happening, I think, a lot more unless goalies start playing the VH. The VH is basically where they have the, they're in that position where their pads are low. You can't get that wraparound, but you leave that gap near your head. And shooters are starting to find that. I just mentioned a minute ago that I saw it happen in the playoffs. I think it wasn't Evander Kane, it was Dustin Bufflin. Dustin mm-hmm. Bufflin did it a couple of years ago, right off of Jordan Biddington's head when the Blues made that run of the final. I remember watching it. I'm like, why have guys not done that sooner? Like, it's it's a low-angle shot. You're getting a target. It's going to bank right off his head, and it's going to deflect in. So um, that was a great shot, a great play, uh, but overall. But, you know, a lot of people were up in arms after game one because of, you know, everybody had the scare about Carter Hart. That game should have been 4-1. It should have been 4-1 flyers. No doubt in my mind. Three of those goals were just completely unlucky bounces. And yep. it, just, it was really only the one g- bad goal that he allowed was the third goal, I believe it was, where he just kind of seemed out of position. And it was just a glove. I think it was a glove high, which, again, is his weak his weak point. It was either glove high. It was definitely a high the shot. First, a- the first goal of the game was that. because and mm-hmm. Go back and watch the first goal of the game, and here's why. The first goal of the game they scored. It was because Nate Thompson pinched at the center, pinched in the middle. The guy got a defenseman got around him, and then they went off on a three on two. Yeah, and a guy came in under Peter right up the circle with a left handed shot on the right wing. You're gonna go high glove. That's a hard shot to stop. And everybody say no, he could have stopped it. Well, not not really. When you're that's a hard shot to stop because they had the better angle. They can kind of tuck it in. It comes the re- release points a little different. 
That was one there. That's on Nate Thompson. That's not on Carter Hart. It's not his fault. They turned into a three on two. It's not his fault. They gave a guy a wide open shot right off the bottom of the circle. That's not his fault. The second goal was the one where he made a really great stop. And then it kind of just went, I'm sorry, it was the third goal. The second goal is where it went off Provorov, off the back wall, and then went off the skating in. Now, he's got to have enough awareness to get to that back post. Okay, but it happens. It's game one. Okay, they're going to, that is the most lucky balance that you could probably get in hockey, where it goes off your own defender, off the wall, back and hit the skate and deflect it. That's pinball crap right there. That doesn't happen yeah. every night. No, the third yeah, goal, it just seems to happen too many times. Like we've talked, I feel like we watch 82 games of it. That's right. why we watch 82 we, games of it. Bounces happen across the league like that all the time. Yeah, I guess it just like, I guess because we're, you and I are watching 82 games of flyers and then uh, 12 game or whatever it is of uh, 15 games of the Western conference, 30 games or whatever it is. It's just one of those things where it seems like it happens a lot more often than it does, but it does happen often, but it happens to every player and every team. And not, and not only that, and it does. And like the third and fourth goals were also weird because the third one, he made the save. He made the original save. Yeah. And then the rebound rolled over, hit the guy in the foot and went behind him. Like you can't do anything about that. And then the very last goal, the one he gave up was, um, uh, what are you doing that one? Uh, that one where he actually made the save. And I don't know why they didn't blow the whistle. That goal should never happen because he had it covered up. And the idea is that once it goes down, once a, once a goalie is down, the referee can't see the puck. It should be blown dead. They saw it loose at ice level. I looked at it from the replay at three different angles. I never saw the puck. I'm like, it's under his pad. It should be blown dead. So really, when you look at it, everybody's panicking and saying, oh, he's he's back to his old self and he didn't play well. Look, well, a couple bad bounces, but towards the end of the game, he's the reason why they got it to overtime. Like he kept a minute towards the end. Yeah, of the game. he stopped overtime. a breakaway. I mean, Correct. Vancouver had a breakaway a chance, but then but then on Monday, he bounces back and he only allows one goal against Seattle. Now, albeit Seattle's not a good team. You already saw if you were following on Twitter, Seattle fans are already having a meltdown about Grubauer being their goalie. Yeah, and it's I rather know. hilarious. It but is. I mean, Carter's going to have these games where it looks like he's back to his last year's self. And then he has a game like two nights ago or last night. What is it? Tuesday? I don't know. I've lost track of all time. Monday. Monday. Today, today's Tuesday. <laughs> it was Monday. They played last night. They play tomorrow against. But Boston he looks good. Saturday. So what I'm like, he's just getting he's getting into that rhythm, which, again, we're going to have a disagreement in a few minutes here about why he's not going to be playing tomorrow night on national television against Boston. Martin Jones is getting the start if you miss that. But I mean, this is just it's just good to see that Carter. He's not letting those goals get to his head. He's allowing them. He's moving on. And then he's going for that. He's waiting for the next puck drop because that's right. what made him good. I think right. what got him really hung up last year wasn't just the sudden um, not being able to practice or anything like that. But I mean, just the fact that it seemed like he couldn't shake, shake it once the, he allowed that first goal. It opened the floodgates and that was it. He's he's kind of recomposed himself here. Now, I don't know. I haven't seen reports if he rehired or got a new sports psychologist. I hope he did. I think therapy is good for everyone in some capacity, in any capacity. So I, I'm thinking that that's just one of those things that we'll, uh, we'll see really develop over, the, over these next 80 games now that we're two games in. 
And we're we're going to a deep dive here when they played two games. Now, I, know I mean, we should. I think the two games have honestly given us a good blueprint of what this team has looked like. I think could be, but I, it's also two games. Yes, but I, I, already, I think I owe an apology. Are you okay? Are you like struggling? Yeah, like, are you, yeah my cat just jumped on me and dug his claws into my knee. I'm bleeding like crazy. Okay, show us. Go on, go ahead. Are you really going to be bleeding while you are doing this podcast? I will be fine. I will. All survive. right. Well. I'll call Jen if you start passing out in the middle of the podcast. And yes, I will keep right. recording. No, this never stop cat, recording, according this, to what, like my friend John this, says. This little, this little cat, like I told you, you're saying my cat Coco. He's he's fat now. Fatty <laughs> is. He decides that you can just climb on me whenever you want and don't want to hang out. Listen, we can hang out. All right, little you look like Thackeray Binks over here. I was gonna say you have oh a perfect God. cat for Halloween. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and he's evil. So yeah, I'll just sit here and bleed and <laughs> so, get a bandaid after the episode. All right. Well, let's talk about. I, I think what just two games in. I think one of the biggest things that has doesn't seem to have gone uh, discussed, and I'm gonna. Well, that's why you listen to this podcast because we talk about the things that not everyone's talking about. The new guys are immediately contributing. I mean, I owe an apology to Chuck Fletcher. I mean, Ristolainen is expected to play tomorrow. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. But, I mean, Ryan Ellis, uh, I almost said Nate Thompson. Well, I guess Nate Thompson counts. He's a free agent, so he's a new signing. bring him back again. He didn't play for them last year. Right. Uh, So, uh, Ryan Ellis, uh, Cam Atkinson, all these guys are immediately contributing. I mean, Cam Atkinson had the first goal or the second goal of the year. And then, obviously... uh, uh, Ryan Ellis had a bomb uh, uh, last night against Seattle. I mean, this is exactly what we what did what you did from this squad immediately. Offensive presence and good defense by these new guys. I think Chuck Fletcher might have nailed this again. It's two games in, but I think we've gotten a full spectrum of what Flyers hockey looks like in those two games, which is a good and bad thing depending on how you decipher it. But I mean. It's a good, already, how can I, how can I, how can anyone look at this, new, the the four or five new guys that are on this club and say, this is a mistake. Everyone looks good so far and they're on cheap deals. So if they end up not working out, they're gone. I think what's more impressive than just looking good and playing tough. I think look at the fact that they've scored 10 goals in two games. I mean, yeah. granted defenses aren't up to par yet. They haven't played the best talent defensively yet. That'll be a really good test tomorrow night against yeah, Boston. Say, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I'd like the this this. Like, I want to say swagger per se, but I like that you're right. They have like a certain toughness. Like they know that they yes. need to be hard to play against. The only I mean, look what team- look what Nate Sealer did last night right. when 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 see uh, I almost said Vegas when Seattle started getting a little bit chippy because mm-hmm. they realized they suck and they're down five one and they got to start trying to find. Now they've decided, oh, we got to find some juice. Like, come on, like you try and find the juice when you're down three one four one maybe. Once you're down five one, it's over, bro. Like, right. stop being tough, guys. Well, Good for Nate. It's never over. It's never over. But I know, I, but I with Seattle, screw them. But think about this way. I mean, <laughs> it's, I think it's pretty neat already. You've got a couple of guys who have more than just your average penalty minutes. I mean, Nate Thompson has 25 penalty minutes in the season. I love seeing that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't care. Like, that's what you're here. That's what he's here for. He's not here to score. He's not here to play every night. Yep. He's in here to come make that difference. And I tell you what, yeah, 25 the fourth penalty line, minutes is a difference. The fourth line looks really good in terms of just they are doing what they are expected to do. Create havoc create turnovers and hope that uh, you keep the puck in your own zone, in the offensive zone. And if you, and if you have to play defense, you have to put the body on body on body. And that's what the fourth line is doing. Right. hundred percent agree with you. And you know, 
We talked about it before. Your bottom six is the most important thing, when you, especially when you get to the playoffs because your top lines are going to get shut down. This brings an element of toughness where they really are going to have an identity of, hey, guess what? Uh, you're not going to get an easy game on us like you did last year. You're going to get tough hockey every single night. Now, I'll be really interested to see how they respond with Boston yeah. um, with it. But overall, I mean, it, it's just it's good to see that right out of the gate, they they don't have any knock on wood, any trouble scoring there. Their offense is picking it up, you know, defensively in game one. They were a little bit flawed in the second period and parts of the third. But overall, I'd say out of out of 120 minutes of hockey, they've probably played 80 of them, like 80, 90 minutes of them. Really, really, really good hockey. When I I, I honestly believe that because look at it so far. I mean, you have Konecki who's got two goals. We talk about him all the time. Giroux's got two goals. Farabee's got two goals. Broussard, Ellis, Ashton, they've, they've all got a goal so far. That's that's not your normal contributors right. helping you out or this early in the season. It I- can only mean that things are going to get better. I'm going to gloat for a second because, I mean, I, right, I called go. I called Joel Farabee's big year, especially after he had the season last year leading the team in 20 goal with 20 goals. I mean, you reward him with a six-year contract. I'm going to get that right this time. It wasn't Morgan Frost, if you listened to last episode. With, to reward a guy like Joel Farabee with a six-year deal and then you immediately see the, 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 the dividends of that contract this early on, I mean – Joel Farabee is going to be a goal, a contender up there. I don't know. He's obviously probably going to lead the league this, or excuse me, lead this team in goals. He's going to be up Possibly. there. I, I, I think it's going to be I, him I, or I Cam. I think it's him or Cam. It's just one of those things where I, 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 as long as he's on the ice, he should be just thinking, where am I going to pot this puck? For, to create a goal or to create a, a chance off off the rebound, something. As long as him and Cam Atkinson have an, uh, and they already do a shoot first mentality, this team's going to go places, and I'm very excited for it. I agree, and I think that that's something that was missing in the past is that shoot first mentality. You don't necessarily need a sniper if guys know when they need to put it to the net. Yep. Now that's the key. Is that um, uh, what's it called? So the what I found is like Cam Atkinson. He get not only the can he shoot first mentality, he goes to the dirty areas. He's not a big player but he yeah. goes to the dirty areas and Farabee just, he has a knack for just getting the puck right in the right spot of the net. Like he just, you know, he's, he's not one of these guys, like just like an example, like Simone Gagne, where he had all the potential and just always hit the guy in the chest and just needed a good passer. Um, no, I mean that, that line is, that line's clicking. Like they're, they're working well together. Travis Konechny too. Like he came to camp in shape and you can see how much difference he is. He's, he's a little bit more, he a little flash out there. He, he yeah. had a kid over the, over the summer. I mean, it, it's just like, uh, Drew had a, uh, I think his second daughter or his first daughter, second child was born over the summer as well. I mean, these guys are getting dad strength. You're a dad right. of two yourself. You yeah. know what it's like. You get yeah, dad strength. Working on that dad bod. That's what I'm doing. These <laughs> hockey players get to I get that strong dad bod. That's what I got going on. Yeah. But no, it's the truth. Like I have to play soccer with my little guy. And like, you know, when he does like the little kick stuff and, you know, it's one of those things like you just, you get that extra gear when you're out there with them. You just go there's for whatever reason, just when you have your kid, you just, you, you have more, have more juice. You have yeah. more juice. Uh, I, I wanted to, the last flyers thing before we wrap here. I mean, this is where I have a problem with AV. I mean, tomorrow night is a nationally televised game. It's against Boston, a major test, your first real test. I mean, like we said, yep. Vancouver's yep. not going to be, is a, is a borderline playoff team. If a playoff team at all, uh, similar to the Flyers, honestly, in my, at the end of it, uh, Seattle's obviously a, uh, a an expansion team who's trying to find their 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 grounds here. 
I don't understand the logic of deciding now is the time to give Martin Jones his first start of the year. Honestly, I would have rather seen him stay play against Seattle and no, then you make sure no, that Carter plays against no, uh, against Boston. No, this no. Carter Hart needs. No, no, he does not actually. No. And you, you got to You got to stop thinking like that. Like people need to stop thinking about, oh, this is a test for Carter Hart. No, you just played your you're going into such a condensed schedule this year because you're going to have a lot of back to backs. You're going to have a lot of games where it's going to be, you know, travel one night, then travel for an away game next game or come back home. You, you, some of those games are not going to be games where you're going to start Carter Hart back to back. You need Martin Jones to be at his peak. Now, watching Martin Jones in the preseason, uh, listen, he, he, he's, he stopped a lot of pucks. I question the way he plays again. He, people are going to watch him, as I mentioned before. You're going to watch him, you're going to get frustrated at the types of goals he gives up, but he stopped a lot of pucks. Okay. He, if he plays a little more at the top of his crease, he's going to be even better. They need him also because he, Played very well against Boston. Carter Hart had some hiccups against Boston last year. He played two nights in a row. He played it very well. You give him a night off. You got to give a good game to Martin Jones because you're not going to have the luxury of picking and choosing which way you want to start because you might have to play at some point a playoff team and the next night play a playoff team in a back-to-back. And guess who's going to be in that? Two different goalies. You're going to have Jones in one. You're going to have Carter Hart in the other. So think back two seasons ago when the Flyers played like Columbus and Columbus was pushing for a wild card spot. Brian Elliott was getting a lot of those starts. Brian Elliott got some starts against Carolina. So, like, they're not just going to say, oh, well, it's Carter Hart. He's played 12 in two games. You got to get him against Boston. No, you know what you do? I think that you actually play him on Saturday against Florida because Florida's a better team than Boston overall. If you ask me, they're a faster team, they're a more skilled team. Boston, you're getting a much more defensive style team and more of a conservative offense, but guys who can actually put it where it needs to go. I think overall, I don't think it's a bad idea to give Martin Jones a start and give him a test or two. Give him a quick into where he needs to be as far as getting him adapted to this Flyers team. So I, there's there's nothing wrong with giving him a start in third game of the season. You I don't just, want to run your starter three games in a row, four, five, six. You know, yeah, but we're also two games in. Starts. We're talking about how we're we need to slow down our our hype about this team, but at the same time, we're two games in. Like it's not like Carter Hart needs this rest. I it's understand not about rest. I know, I know. I, Martin Jones I know. I understand your point about trying to get Martin Jones acclimated to the game speed, but you just had two quote unquote cupcake teams compared to Florida and Boston that are coming up. And then you go on a West coast trip against Edmonton, Vancouver and Calgary, Correct. or excuse me, it might not be Vancouver. It is Vancouver. So you already, yeah. you're already knocking out the Vancouver game. So you could have, I imagine that that's a back to back scenario too, with Edmonton and Vancouver. So Martin Jones is definitely going to play one of those games. Probably I'm, Vancouver. I was going to say, I imagine it's going to be, imagine it's going to be Vancouver. My only point is the, the, you are playing Carter Hart in the sense of you are our number one. You just had your worst season and worst playing career ever in the history of your playing career from juniors on. And we've talked about that time and time again. You need, I get he played very well against Seattle, but ride the hot hand. It's just like, it, it, it's just like when you're hitting it well in baseball. You just keep going as long as you can until you absolutely need that break. Now, yes, I'm. I expect him to. He'll be playing against Florida. I think Boston and Florida are pretty evenly matched in terms of quality. But I understand your point. Like it's just one of those things where, if we're two games in, I don't think you need to push Martin Jones at the same time 
just like you don't need to rest Carter Hart. You don't need to push Martin Jones, who I, we don't even know if he's going to be good. Here, There's here, too many question marks. He didn't here, have a gra- that great of a preseason. Here's another problem, too. You don't want Carter Hart to go too, start, too long in between starts. So that's yes. why you have him on Saturday. You don't want to wait Martin Jones to start him on Saturday when you're going to need him again the following Thursday. That's you got to go Jones, Carter, Jones. So you're going to have Jones, Carter, Carter, Jones, Carter, then probably Carter against the Coyotes, and then probably either that or Jones, and then back when they come and they play the Penguins on November 4th, probably back to Carter again. The whole idea is that you remember what we talked about before. You, you need to have a tandem here. It's not just because he's the starting goaltender. Yeah. You need Jones to get about probably 30 starts. You really need, yeah. you need Carter no, you're right. to play 50 and 55. So with that, you're going to be seeing Martin Jones a lot more. But that's why you signed him, because he was a starting goaltender before. He's on a one-year deal. He's got something to prove as well. And he's a quality, quality no, a goaltender. So just because you're not playing him against Boston, that's a good quality start for him. You got another hard game on Saturday against the Panthers. And then you go on the Western Road Trip, which has not been well to the Flyers the past couple of years, where you're going against Edmonton. And believe me, we saw what happened in Edmonton two years ago, okay? Carter Hart needs to get some vengeance back there in his hometown, basically. Okay, and you have the Canucks again. Martin Jones is going to get a start in one of those back-to-backs. My chance, my money's on the Canucks. And then that way, you go against the Flames on Saturday and Carter Hart's rested for that. So you, you have some balance there where you're going to have Jones getting some more starts here as we go through. Probably not. Probably every two games to one is a good ratio. So if, if Martin Jones is starting every third game minus a back-to-back, that's not a bad thing because you'll end up about that 50-30 by the end of the season. And that's exactly what you need him to be because – Here's why. Most importantly, if this team does make the playoffs, something happens to Carter Hart, whether he does not play well, or you need Martin Jones to have a good amount of starts, but you can't burn Carter Hart out either by paying him 60 games. You don't win like that anymore. Goalies don't win. You don't win Stanley Cups by playing a goalie 60 games anymore. That that day is done. You need two quality goaltenders in today's NHL. So that's why you're going to probably see him every third game. And that's okay. That's believe me. I'm excited to see Martin Jones in a Flyers uniform. I think it's, I think he's going to be better than people think he's going to annoy people, I just, I but I think he's going to be know. better than people think. I know. I, I hope you're right. And I, I talked about this. If you, on, when I made an appearance on the know, overnight show on WIP, I just, I don't, his, he was so bad in San Jose. And I know well, with a bad defense. I know, I know, but we're using that same excuse. I mean, we're kind of using that same excuse for Carter. So I guess like it's just one of those defense things. Defense does matter. Defense it does. Of course. It does matter. Yeah, I know. It totally does matter. So, so I'm cu- I, I, I would. I, and here's the other thing, too. I, and this is going to. Grubauer. Grubauer is a great example. Look, how you're yeah, <laughs> you're right. A great example. This is the other thing, too. And you're going to probably w- really disagree. I would like to see Carter. And it probably doesn't even freaking matter, but I'm still going to say this. Ristolainen is also making his season debut on on Wednesday. I'd like Carter to be in front of him for that first game to get an idea of what he is. But at the same time, he'll learn it on f- Saturday against That's Florida. Peanuts. Again, you're not going to yeah. see this whole team put together till the holidays. You're not because they're right. Everybody's got to get used to it. Everybody's got to learn to play with each other. Everybody's got to. They're going to play a clunker free. probably this week. There's going to be no, one of these that's games. Come at one point, everybody's going to freak out. Probably against Edmonton. Probably yeah. against Edmonton because Edmonton's such a high power scoring team. My test for this team is when I play a team like Toronto because yeah. of that team that has that elite talent up front, but is a little weak defensively. You know, I, I think that that's that's the game to be watching. Every. Don't look at the Western Conference On- team. The team you're going to see a couple times, and that'll be Tampa, the the Leafs, 
Um, I'd probably say also the, the, the Panthers, the Bruins, those are the teams you're really going to watch out. There's going to be a test and, and more importantly, the Rangers are going to be the biggest ones probably. Before, before we get to Evander Kane being a total moron getting suspended, uh, yeah. you touched on it. I didn't put this in the show notes, but I know you wanted to talk about it. So I'll, I'll just bring it up live now. Uh, if you have not seen the Amazon series all or nothing, they did the Philadelphia Eagles after the Super Bowl season a couple years back. Uh, they did one on the Toronto Maple Leafs going into the 2021 season, the fit just last season uh, when they had the North division. And it is, I don't think I, I it, uh, and understating when it is one of the best sports biography, documentary films, what series, whatever you want to say, how you want to describe I'm one episode in and obviously hindsight is 2020 and how this season shaped out for the Toronto major success in the regular season, flaming out in the, in the, in the playoffs, uh, losing in the first round in seven. It's always funny when you hear them talk about what's going to happen if X, Y, Z happens. And you know, as you're watching it, X, Y, Z in fact does happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to say, and I think you'll agree with Austin Matthews. I know he's on the, I think he's on the cover of, is he on NHL the cover? He's is on the he cover, on the cover yeah. this year? Yep, I yep. always, I never know. I know he was on a couple, uh, the cover last year too, wasn't he? Twenty one. Either way, like Austin Matthews, I think needs to be marketed more. He is he's so good. He's, he's a so lot. Good. He's very good. He's uh, a likable character. And honestly, this is gonna sound, um, I guess, nationalist. I don't know. The, the fact that he's an American from Phoenix is is is, is interesting too. I think that's marketable. It's a to dynamic. And, it's a weird dynamic. It's a weird he, dynamic. He's, it's he's similar the to hockey ghost. Mecca, and he's an American yeah. from Phoenix at, at the yeah. hockey Mecca. That shows you how much the game's expanded in the last 25 years. Yeah, it's similar to when ghost was here. He's kid out of Florida, obviously yeah. not to the same skill set when you're comparing yeah. ghost to Austin Matthews, but still the point remains the same. Like they're, they're growing. Hockey is growing in, un, in, in climates that you don't really expect to do, but yeah. it's expect to see, but I mean, back to all or nothing. I'm, I'm, have you finished the series already? Oh, Did yeah. you binge it? Okay. Oh, yeah, I binged it. I totally binged it. I I will say this. I have said some pretty mean things about the Toronto Maple Leafs in the past. That's an understatement. Yeah, I've said some pretty mean things. I'll tell you what. I, I would be lying if I didn't say that that series totally changed my perspective about that team. I yeah. mean, you know what's weird? Like, you know, being a former coach. Granted, it's like I, I'm not going to lie. I coach younger kids and stuff. Like, but – Seeing the camaraderie that the team has, you you see that in the locker rooms, even with the young kids in the younger ages. They just they're really like a family. And you know, I'll say this: I don't like the way Toronto's constructed. I don't like how their all their money is up front. They don't have great defense. Their goaltending yeah. is questionable sometimes. Not because of Jack Campbell, who I think is actually panning out finally, um, but more or less they they split starts like a guy like Peter Mrazek who can't stay healthy, and it's you know Jack Campbell. As, as as highly touted as he was as when he was directed by Dallas, has had a struggle to get here. They love Soupy. And like he's literally the nicest guy you'll ever you'll ever see. But here here's my thing about it. I have a different respect for Sheldon Keith, the head coach. I don't necessarily agree with them some of the ways he did it sometimes. I think he was too especially when they talk about like the game five, six, and seven. I think he was too rah-rah. I think he was too, hey guys, we got this. We know like, hey, why are we playing tentative? You know, he that was an opportunity for him to really like nail into them and hammer him be like are you kidding me he goes we're not going back home because we're not doing this you're finishing the series that team you could just see clams up when they have that they had those expectations because they have not won a series since 2004 they had that expectation to do that this 
I'll tell you what. I will by watching that series. Two things. First of all, um, I think Kyle Dubas is on thinner ice than people think he is. Uh, I, you I, you got that sent. I think I got that. I got that right sense. at right out of episode one. I mean, which Brendan Shanahan with him right there. Like yes. there's expectations it's, there more than what I think what Dubas can deliver as of right now. It's very interesting that they focused too in in the first episode about Dubas and Keith. Uh, their connection since the Sioux Greyhounds. Yeah. Like that's a, like, I get it. I get that. That's a, you build yourself up, you know what he, they, they can do together and stuff like that. But when you get to the NHL, it's just different, obviously. It like it's, it's different. way different. There's way more pressure. I just don't, I, there's no way this ends in a, in a clean divorce or a clean, like whether it's uh Dubas leaving or Keith leaving, whatever happens it's yeah. a very it's not going to be amicable like no. it's, it's it's already no. cre- you're cre- they're creating tension because they're so attached to the hip the two of them the coach and the gm it's just a very odd dynamic and i understand the ploy of it because he's such a young gm he wants the familiarity the camaraderie but i mean the nhl it's way different man i get it like it you get that from episode one that dubas is on thin ice he, yeah, no just, pun intended you feel it. like he, you yeah. just feel like it and the thing is like i don't like the way that they you analytics like they didn't talk about it too much in the series but it's been well documented the leaves are very heavy and that and that's how he touched that's on how, it a little bit keith 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 touched on it in a in a you know sit down interview with yeah uh in the first episode like i know that dubas is very has this cloud around him as a heavy analytical guy, but he's also a hockey uh, guy. And he is, you can see that. Cause there's that, see that it's that scene when they're talking about who they wanted to use for the taxi yep. squad. When yep. they did the Correct. taxi squad last yeah. year. Yeah. And I like how he has the things in the sport. Like I have a different perspective on Kyle do this. Okay. So like that whole, that whole thing changed my outlook on a team. It, it, that's, that's, I apologize if any Leafs fans listening for my being naive and saying some mean things about it. We definitely have listeners. I mean, we get some yeah. downloads up in Canada, so we thank the, the those uh, Canadians up there. Thank you. And I I eat my words because I was I was ignorant. I be honest, I was ignorant about it. But I am actually an honest person. Will say that I learned a lot by watching that. And again, I go back not to repeat myself, but Dubas is on thin ice there. I think, and it's yep. only because him and Sheldon Keith are such tied to the hip. You can see sometimes when you're going through and you see Brendan Shanahan, Brendan Shanahan is uncertain about decisions. Now, I give Shanahan credit because he's not stepping in and saying because he's the president of Maple Leaf saying that, hey, you got to do this, this and this. They have conversations. They let him do his thing. But I think that eventually that heat's going to pressure up to Brendan Shanahan. And that's where the, really there's going to be a fault in the uh, uh, going to be a fault. Now, with that all being said, this is where it seesaws because it can mm-hmm. go one way or the other. Because I believe that as soon as this team cracks the first round, they're going to go to the final. Like, there's oh, just no, yeah. yeah. As soon as they get past that hump, that's going to be like the Capitals beating the Penguins a few years ago, where they got yep. over that second round hump and got to the final, and they just ran Shreen after that. Yep. I think the Leafs are going to do the same thing. Once they get over that mental hurdle, if they can do it, I mean, they're, they're, they they're get off to a decent start. The guys are scoring, but they're just still a fragile team. If they can get past that first round, you know, I, I, they, they could go into coast mode, but I just think they'll, they were like, oh, we got through it. We can do anything now. I think that's yeah. the biggest hurdle obstacle that they need to win around. And it's once those guys do it, I mean, you don't want to see Austin Matthews in the second round. You don't no. want to see Mitch Marner in the second I, round. William Nylander, if he decides to, to play, he decide, you know, like he's the Jake Ford check up there. But if he decides to play, you don't want to see him in the second round. So <laughs> see what you, you did. Know, there. That's it, good. It, good luck. Good luck scoring on Jack Campbell when he's on his game. So they yeah. defensively, they're a little questionable. 
Uh, but I think if they batten down the hatches, uh, they're going to be a tough team to stop, man. They're going to be a yeah. tough team to stop. Well, one player that's definitely been stopped, and we'll wrap here. I mean, who would have thought? Did you did for a guy that was going to be investigated for gambling and then found innocent? You're like, all right, Evander Kane's clear. He's good. It's all over. Knocked with a 21 game suspension for a fake COVID 19 vaccine card. Not I mean, enough. come on, man. Not enough. It's not enough games. It's not it's enough. Not, I'm sorry, it might be an international crime. Like that's my point. It's not enough. Like, dude. Come on, don't be an idiot. Like, if you're going to be that moronic and think you're going to get away with that for how tight the NHL protocols have been, yep. and you think you're going to get away with that, you're just an idiot. Sorry, yep. you're you're a flat-out moron. Why in the world would you ever take that to a professional hockey team where they're looking out for their safeties and going, hey, I got a vaccine card. I got that. No, it's fake. No, no, yep. it's real. No, no, it's fake. I'm, I, mean, I mean, you make so much money, dude, and you're just throwing it away. I mean, you're gambling it away, too, but you're throwing it away. But, like, you know, you you, you have this awesome. Now, and here's here's my question. What's going to happen after this 21 games? This is my question. It's going to be. I wonder if the Sharks could terminate his contract after that. I wonder if they're going to separate I'm entirely from him. Honestly, I'm curious if they gave him 21 weeks because that's a that's a, it's not exactly three weeks, but it's about three weeks in real time. Probably really what? Oh, 21 four. games, probably. Oh, 20, well, I'm thinking 20, 20 like games. if they're playing every day, which obviously they're not. That's no, I would say you probably three games a week. You're probably that out gives him months. enough time two, if he two, three if, months if they convinced him if like he just felt like being a douche and just saying he didn't want to get it. Well, he like theoretically like he is one. Yeah, he is. He's a well. I've we've heard from inside sources that we can't name. Like he's not a well-respected guy in the league. No. Like it's just one of those things. Yeah. Um. But I mean, he, he. It gives him technically enough time to get vaccinated because if he gets one of the Modernas or the Pfizer's, the mRNA, where you have to get the first dose and then two or three weeks later you get the second dose, theoretically he could get vaccinated legitimately. Will he do it? I don't know. I'm not going to speak on his behalf. That's his decision to make. He's now one of five players that's unvaccinated in the NHL. I don't know if you saw that. There's only uh, there was four players before the fake vaccine card. So I'm assuming it's now five unless they just assume that it was unvaccinated, including him in that original four. But in the entire NHL, between coaches, staff, GMs, front office and players, Four or five players unvaccinated. That's a, that's great work. That's by the excellent. It really is. And so, the thing is, like, they didn't necessarily one douchebag's not going to change anything, right? And they didn't necessarily mandate. Like, for instance, like I'll be honest with you, like my view on mandates, like I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan on mandates. Like overall, like I don't think it's right to tell people what they do with their body. And I I say that because you know not to go on what some states like you know, I'll name it Texas is doing <laughs> and telling women what they can or can't do with their bodies. Like, yeah. I don't think people should be telling other people what they can and can't do with their bodies. You, you, you just hope the problem is I think there's so much misinformation out there. It's good that there's 99.9% of the NHL, it seems is vaccinated, which is good. People have made the right choice there. Um, but there's some people who are whatever reason they're resistant to it. That's fine. But I look at it this way. Uh, you're you're paying the consequences if you test positive. And here's the kicker that's happening now. You're starting to see you're starting to people see who are vaccinated starting to get COVID, but it's keeping them out of the hospital. That's the whole point behind it. So I'm wondering what's going to wind up happening if you have a couple there that aren't vaccinated and they catch it and there's an outbreak. Like you're still you're even though it's less symptomatic and stuff, you, you're still it's still a pandemic. You still have quarantines. You're still going to yep. have all this stuff. You know that's why. It's good that most of them have it, but you know it's going to be weird with these some of these things once it does it because I 
there, I, I have a feeling that no matter what, at some point this year, you're going to run into a situation like the Canucks did last year. And while the playoffs are going on, they're finishing up regular season games that are completely pointless. Yeah. So I yeah. know that's well, why I don't agree with the fake vaccine card. I think he's an idiot for doing it. And you know what? I think it's absolutely absurd that you would do something that to fake it, to act like you are and, and put people in jeopardy. If you're going to do it, great. You don't have to do it. But the fact that you would fake doing it to, you know, to for whatever reason, eh, it's just that's just that's just childish. Yeah. Uh, all right. So they have three games between now and a week from today at the time of this recording on Tuesday. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. They play Edmonton on Wednesday of next week. But let's go with that. Uh, Boston, Florida, Edmonton. I'll throw in Vancouver as well. That's uh, four times three is 12 points on the table. How are they getting in your prediction, Scott? Eight. I, I, I agree eight. with that. Yeah, I'm going uh, with eight, too. I think they I think they need to beat Boston tomorrow. You know, yep. they'll be home. It'll be home. They have two more home games. So I think they'll be the Flyers are going to want to make a stamp on their on the thing. So I think that if they drop one, it'll probably be against the Panthers. Oh, I can't. Uh, I, I I can't do math. It's it, it's four games is obviously eight points. Eight points. So we're, we're anticipating a four game win. Well, streak. I mean, talk about the Coyotes as well. If you're going to go that far ahead, it's ten, and the Penguins is twelve. I mean, I I think this week upcoming, if you add in Calgary, you have ten points of air, but two, four, six, eight, ten, ten. I think you can come up with eight. I think you drop it, but yet again, it comes down to what happens in that road swing. I, I don't know if they can beat Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton has its own questions, but I just think that, that Edmonton's Western the classic, play. really good regular season team, and then either doesn't qualify for the playoffs or falls flat on their face. Toronto West, and yeah. like and not not just that, but like I just the Flyers have always had trouble with Connor McDavid. I mean, yep. I've always, especially at especially at Edmonton, they get the last change. I just don't feel confident with that one. I just. Yep. You know, they're tougher defensively, but I just don't they don't think there's good that's coming out of that. Vancouver, I think they'll beat them this time around, depending if they can beat a few more of the Thatcher Demko. And um, the Flames, who knows? The Flames are so hot and cold, no pun intended. Like, you know, they either they're either <laughs> on fire or they're on ice. Like, you know, they're one of the two. Yeah. So uh I, I don't know. That's a toss-up for me, which is why, but I think some of them are winnable. I think they can easily get six out of these 10 points that are gonna be available. I would be okay. I'd be great with eight. Anything less than six is not acceptable because that puts you behind in the eight ball against other teams in the division. They're going to give you a hard time at a wild, wild overtime game last night in Toronto between them and the Rangers. The Rangers are making a statement so far. They're Igor Shesterkin. He's the real deal. I see why they locked him up. Yeah. Um, the Hurricanes are always going to be a threat. You, you, and the Devils, the Devils are playing decent hockey, believe it or not. So they are. It's, I mean, it's, they, they, it's they, a tough division. It's they tough look division. good. This is going to be a really interesting Metro division. I agree yeah. with you. I think it's going to be around eight points. Uh, that is going to do it for episode 88, the Eric Lindros episode. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our Facebook page, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all that good stuff, YouTube. Um, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, we re did our podcast host website. So if, if, you, ha- if you have to resubscribe, make sure you're up, sub- you're up, sub- you are subscribed. We thank you again so much for listening. Questions, uh, shoot us an email at orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Yes, Scott? Uh, we, we forgot to introduce our, our, our newest member of Orange and Backcheck. Oh, my God, Matt. We, we did not introduce Matt. He's not available <laughs> this week because he's traveling, but we have a new person who's joined the podcast. Yeah, Matt's going to be helping us out with our social team, mainly on Instagram and a little bit of t- – oh, we have a TikTok page, too. I Join launched TikTok, that. TikTok, yep. Yeah, because, I mean, I was bored on TikTok. That thing's addictive. So I said, screw it. I'll, I'll launch our, our, uh, our, our, our podcast clips on there so you can catch Perfect. them on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and on uh, TikTok, just like all that. Just search Orange and Backcheck Podcast. 
Matt's running Instagram. I'm helping out with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and uh, and uh, TikTok. We thank and you I'm so much for pissing people off on Twitter. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. Uh, Bill's a good guy. Bill Matz is a good guy. We no, everybody's him. a good guy. It's all good conversation. I'm just pissing people off, though. That's all. It's yeah. fun. Well, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. No, I'm supposed to say something? Oh, shit. <laughs>